When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Welcome, everybody. This is your host, Christopher Rennie, bringing another episode of the Buck Off Podcast with Land Grant. Holy land. Joining you guys on a Friday, and as always, I am joined by Jordan Williams. How you doing today, Jordan? Uh, man, I'm doing great. I'm normally just doing good, but today I'm doing great uh, because I'm going to Louisiana tomorrow for the first time, and I'm going to Death Valley, and today's Thursday, which means it's almost here, uh, my first trip down to Louisiana to see a friend and to... Uh, Watch some football, hopefully some good football. One of the games is a Saints game, so I can't say that that's going to be good football. But, um, you know, doing good. Doing great is what I said. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know, I missed the Rutgers game last week uh, to come back for the Rutgers game this week. Uh, but it, it's it should be a good game uh, to watch for Ohio State fans from that site of like we saw what happened last year, we saw what happened the year before, and from everything it doesn't look like there's really any evidence to make it much different. But I'm not going down to the Bayou. I'm not watching one of the best college football games potentially of the season with LSU at Tennessee. Uh, so I, I'm not I'm not doing great, but I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It should be a good weekend still. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm not. I'm not sure. Well, it's it's weird. This is the first Ohio State game that I've missed in a while, and this is the first. Um, this is the first uh, in person game that I've been to in a while, so that's going to be interesting. Um, but I'm not really sure what I'm rooting for, like, because I'm not an LSU or a Tennessee fan. So, like, am I rooting for chaos? And I want LSU to win, but then that's kind of rooting for Brian Kelly. Or am I rooting for Tennessee to be really good and like sneak into the playoffs by like beating Georgia or something? Like it's kind of hard. To, it's kind of hard to pick what side of the fence you're on. But watching games in person that you have no rooting interest in is the best experience because. Like the last one of the only Ohio State games I went to was the Penn State game where Saquon returned the kick. And I don't know if I told this story before, but I left that game early because I was by myself. It was cold and miserable and we were getting our asses kicked. And then I went home and we won and they stormed the field, which I wouldn't have done that anyway because I'm, I'm just not a storm the field kind of guy. But um, going to a game in person where you can just enjoy the game and drink. Ride the emotions not, of everybody. Yeah, and not be invested uh, is a great experience. So sooner or later, I'm going to figure out what side I'm on. Am I rooting for chaos or am I rooting for Tennessee to actually be legit? But uh, yeah. Yeah, I also I, I'm rooting for... Tennessee to get out of this game unbeaten, unscathed, so they host Bama with an unbeaten record in Knoxville because that's where the chaos can truly begin ensuing, in my eyes. And I, I think the issue for me starts with rooting for Brian Kelly. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I, I compliment Brian Kelly for one reason. I, he's, a, he's a terrible, unlikable person who still always manages to win nine football games a year. It is truly remarkable how someone with such a, I don't know, it's not even oatmeal because at least oatmeal has some like nice qualities to it. It's, it's even worse than oatmeal, that personality, but he cream still wins wheat. nine games. He's a crazy personality. Yeah, he's really, he just lives and exists to make people mad. And I respect that in a way, honestly. But be a solid football coach. Yeah. Which is which is hilarious because not that we really have to get on this tangent, but people are like, oh, Tom Herman doesn't have a job because people don't like him. And it's like, oh, boo-hoo. How many people really like half the coaches in America? <laughs> like, Brian Kelly has a job. Like, they stole him from another school for a job. But, yeah. like, Tom Herman can't get one because Texas said he was mean. Yeah, truth theorem put in like most players' arms. Half the reason they go to places because they get drafted, or and like only the greatest places have both, where you get drafted and you like the coach. Uh, but you either like the coach and it turns into an Ed Orgeron situation, or you don't like the coach and it turns into a Brian Kelly situation. That's usually the two paths for most college football programs, or you become a title conference title contender in your conference for years to come that's like really those are the three paths i'd say yeah i mean but a lot of them lead to uh not liking the coach but being successful because how many people do you think genuinely like nick saban like nick saban which i mean sometimes he's justified sometimes he's not but like nick saban literally of like destroyed a freaking um 
reporter this week in his news conference. And it was a dumb question, but like Ryan Day wouldn't have answered it that way. So like Nick Saban, not a fun guy, but legend. So I do feel like Nick Saban's players like him though. And I think that's honestly all that matters to Nick Saban. Do they like him? I think yeah, the I mean, players he, that get to the league I think the players that get to the league respect him because they got to the league. I'm not sure that they like him. There, I I mean, there are some like, players who are gonna like any coach, but like I feel like there's some Funkle Saban moments where he's like driving him around on the boat. He has that barbecue for all his players. I mean, he does. I, I, I think from a scale of like, oh, like let's go. Let's say Ryan Day. I think every player likes Ryan or every player likes Ryan Day. From a scale of Ryan Day to Brian Kelly, he's probably splitting it, but more to the Ryan Day side. I could see it. I could also uh, see see nobody liking him, honestly. Yeah, I mean, if you that good by making friends, you get a DWI and charges, uh, you probably don't like Nick Saban that much anymore. Hmm. Uh, but that's a, that's a story for another. That's an off-season time to talk about that. It's time. And, you know, the reason we're dragging this out is because Michigan State uh, is not very good at football this year, guys. I, I, I don't want to break it to you. I know we're, we've got a line here uh, from the head man himself that is just outrageous to me. But he's the guy who gets paid millions of dollars to evaluate his opponents. And I, I think we got to trust him a little bit. But I think it's time to get started with the Michigan State report. Uh, Ohio State has beaten the breaks off of Michigan State in the last two meetings, 52 to 12 in 2020. 56 to 7 in 2021. I, I don't think there is much to say. We, we, we've seen how both those games turned out. Uh, 2020 had some nice stories to it. You know, that was the game Larry Johnson stepped in, had to be the head coach for the day. Uh, Justin Fields had a nice day running the football. It's kind of ugly throwing the football, but like COVID was running through Ohio State's program that week. Uh, 56 to 7 last year. I think everyone, I, that game feels like yesterday, honestly. Like them just putting up that like 28 points and what it felt like their first quarter. CJ Stroud had like 367 yards and like five touchdowns at halftime. It was, it was truly a clinic of what you can do against Michigan State's defense. And I did some research for my article this week, uh, Ohio State's won their last five games by an average of 35 points. So in five meetings over five years, it has not been really close. And that includes the two twilight years of Mark Antonio when the program was getting buried and then the three years of Mel Tucker so far. Yeah, I think you have this in the show plan, um, but Michigan State hasn't always been a bad team um, in that time frame, but they are one of the worst teams as far as being constructed to play Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I I think – where is that in the show plan, actually? We could just get into that right now. Uh, Michigan State – I saw that. Did I make that up? Um. 
Maybe, but I even if I made it up, it's still true. But I definitely thought that was on there. It's definitely a conversation point we need to talk about because uh, oh, it's it's literally the big it's literally the big thing. It's B. Oh shoot, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was All looking right, cool. for like the smaller stuff, but like, yeah. All right, we got to lock in. All right, here we go. Michigan State might be the worst position team to challenge Ohio State this season. I was worst. Uh. I think Michigan, Michigan, can at least, Michigan State can actually score an offense. Occasionally, yeah, but they but. could. Iowa doesn't even have an offense at all, and CJ Stroud's not going to throw two pick sixes. And if they're it not gonna, rains, uh, if it rains like really bad, but Iowa I'm taking, can't stop the run either. Honestly, we didn't take two field ball. goals. I'm just saying, I think Michigan State is in such a worse position because what's the worst thing you could have against Ohio State? Zero pass rush and a terrible secondary, and they've got both of them. Well, so that, actually, pass rush the only thing Michigan State has. They I, have a ten in sack last. I, they're probably cheap numbers, and actually, they we. I don't know if we talked about this, but I know I've like read about it. They led the Big Ten in sacks last year, uh, and they're leading them in sacks this year, and it's largely because they're. Like their pass defense sucks so much that everyone just drops back and passes on them, so it's a little bit cheap. But uh, I, I will last say, time I looked, Jacoby Winman had like six and a half sacks, four forced fumbles, and like eight or nine tackles for a loss or something like that. It's in the it's in the article that I wrote at the quarterly report. He was leading in all of the categories, but I mean. He's probably their best defensive player, and he's going to have to line up against Paris Johnson Jr. So, I, I mean, it's really not going to help them. But I still yeah, think I, Iowa's I'll, worse. I'll, I'll add to that where I, I think I remember how many sacks Ohio State got against Akron last year. And then they also played Western Michigan. So I think you're right on with, like, probably padded a little stats there because in – my film review or preview, Tanner Morgan had a lot of time to stand back there. Washington did a really good job in the first half. I didn't really get much into the second half there. And then it, it didn't feel like Maryland was too, like, like struggling too much to limit their pass rush. But, I mean, they do have a talented pass rusher. And like you said, Paris Johnson Jr., DeWan Jones will probably be able to limit his and like, and most of the time, elite pass rushers have problems against Ohio State unless you got two of them. Yeah, or you don't expect them. Like, uh, back. yes. Which that game will be? I'll be a hundred. I don't want to live to be a hundred, but I'll be a hundred years old and still remember that game because I was watching that game like, who the hell is this? And then he was great in the league, and I was like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> like, it's okay. He's just a good player. Yeah, it was always. It was literally like in the NCAA video game when you're playing a MAC team and they have that one player on their defense who's 95 and he keeps forcing fumbles and stuff. And that's what that game was like. And I, I don't think uh, Michigan State definitely does not have a Khalil Mack. Uh, but no. honestly, the real issue with Michigan State and Mel Tucker, this is he's a defensive backs coach. So this is kind of appalling how he hasn't figured out a secondary yet. But their, their secondary has been patchwork all three years. Transfers, they have some returnees this year. And a lot of them actually taking a step back, which is absurd to me. But yeah. they 
they are their secondary, and I, I try to be respectful of every Ohio State opponent, but their secondary might be one of the worst in college football. I mean, I don't even know if you had. I don't even know if might be is is probably being a little nice. I mean, they were ranked either dead last or bottom five in passing stats last year, and they brought everyone back. That's not a good sign. Like, like yeah. you know, there's so, like for Ohio State, it's like they got better over the year. They had you know a couple of players. They're bringing people back. They were young. That is like a positive, you know, to kind of bring people back. Like you can find some positives even when a secondary is not great. But when they're that bad, bringing everyone back is not nearly a positive at all because they're not all going to take that big of a jump. Like, they're probably just bad players. And to your point, they may have taken a step back and you don't have anything. Like, if you if you can go two years, back-to-back years, and start the same secondary that was one of the worst in the country, that just means you have no depth on your roster either. So, uh, a very, very bad sign for them, honestly. Yeah, and like last year, we saw what C.J. Stroud did to it. And this year, Tanner Morgan picked it apart. Uh, Michael Panix Jr. picked it apart. And throughout parts of the game, Maryland picked them apart. So every Power 5 opponent they've played, they have struggled to limit the pass. And then to make it even worse, teams have really been able to get into their run game against them. And Washington is not a team known for their run game. Maryland's not a team known for their run game. But both teams ran the ball effectively against them. So when you just it, – it's just – it's just it's really one of those things where I cannot fathom how they got worse. You know, Tuck is coming. That's the thing they say. And their defense has just been atrocious this year. And, like, one of the things when I was watching the film that was just so incredibly – emblematic of the problem is just the way the linebackers flow and fill the football like they're hopping they're like taking steps or moving laterally before they move vertically like aggressively like being able to watch Ohio State's linebackers this year it's a completely different look with how they attack the run game and when you're like meeting running backs in the hole like four yards downfield you already lost Absolutely. So, I, again, this is before we even start talking about their offense, which has taken a step back, but their defense has just been a mess. That's really it. I don't think there's really a definitive identity there. Like, even the like the variations of coverages they run, sometimes they're in cover four, sometimes they're doing two high stuff, sometimes they're doing one high stuff. Some weeks are bringing a lot of pressure with their linebackers. Sometimes they're bringing no pressure with their linebackers. And it doesn't feel like when you look at Michigan State's defense, they have anything where they're like, it's third and seven. We need to make a play here. Outside of individual effort, there's nothing that really stands out. Mm -mm. And, yeah, I think that's kind of, like you said, Mel Tuck is a defensive backs guy, so for for that to be the the biggest weakness, and I understand that defensive back is probably one of the harder positions to get out of the portal compared to others. Like you can probably find uh, quarterbacks easier because quarterbacks get upset and leave. You can find running backs because not that running back is an easy position, but um, it, it is a position that's a little bit more of an equalizer, I guess I'll say. Like. 
if any if there was any position that you compare to basketball, it'd be running back. Where like you could have just yeah. a really good running back anywhere, any conference kind of thing. Uh, but DBs. I mean, a good DB is not going to transfer for any reason. You just don't find them in the portal. But then also, why can't you develop your own? Like, you know what I mean? Like, why can't? Why are they so bad? I'm not saying they have to be the best in the country, but how under you, a defensive backs guy, are they the the worst in the country and the worst in the Big Ten? I honestly would say they're definitively them and Colorado are probably the worst secondaries in the Power Five. And being compared to Colorado at any point for anything. But also, speaking of Colorado, I know it's been a couple of years, but that was Mel Tucker's last stop. So that means oh in, in back-to-back stops, he just didn't – or was he at Colorado State? It was Colorado, right? Colorado. It was Colorado. Yeah, so yeah, he just doesn't have good CBs, uh, I guess. Good secondary. Yeah, honestly, I didn't. when I said that out loud, I didn't even piece those two together, but – that's alarming. I, I hope Michigan State fans don't listen to this. I actually hope they kind of do. <laughs> and like, I'm still not like I'm. I'm not. You know, Tuck's not on my list yet of coaches who need to yeah, be fired. But he's on the watch list because the thing about him that a lot of people talked about is he didn't have much experience, and the experience wasn't good. Like you know, like you talk to people and you're like, oh, why aren't Matt coaches getting hired anymore? And it's like, well, because nobody wants to take a risk on a coach whose record's not great. Like you know, these Matt coaches' records are you know seven and six and stuff like that. And yet, if you understand the Mac, you know, going seven and six at Kent State is a good year and make most athletic directors. But it doesn't look good. Well, Mel Tucker hadn't had a good season at all anywhere that he had coached. He and he didn't have a lot of experience, and that doesn't mean he's not going to be a good coach. But that is concerning when now you look at his three or four years total of experience, and he's only had one good year, and he's had a bad secondary in all of them, and they just gave him $10 million. So I'm, I haven't given up on him. I mean, and giving up is kind of weird because I'm not a Michigan State fan, but like he's not on my list of coaches being fired, but he's going to have to figure some things out because this living and dying by the portal, it's not going to work. It's very unsustainable. And to give credit where it's at, like getting the 23rd ranked class in 2022 is not an easy task at Michigan State. And that could rise if his relationship with Samson Lola is as good as they say. But I do think the the living in the portal, that's the best way to kickstart your first year in the program. But once you get to year two, year three, you cannot be – you're not going to find a Kenneth Walker every single year. It's kind of what uh, is what I'm trying to say. Like Kenneth Walker, like coming from Wake Forest, he was a decent back there. He wasn't anything special there. Comes out and has, is one of the best running backs in the country for Michigan State. So, how often is that going to happen? Rarely does it ever happen. Like every year, there's one impact transfer that really stands up above the rest last year there was quite a few and i think last year when we look back at like transfers historically last year is going to be an aberration compared to some of the other years but i i just think it's it's a tough beat and i i think that could help us transition over to the offense a little bit uh i think it really starts because i i think you know a lot about michigan state we both watched them a lot last year most of Peyton Thorne's success came from that deep play action passing game, right? I'm not wrong mm-hmm. to think that. 
Nope. And without Kenneth Walker, teams don't have to really respect Peyton Thorne nearly as much. Uh, they are not really having to respect the box as much, so you're not getting as much one-on-one matchups. Jalen Naylor was obviously a very talented receiver. Um, he's the one who left, right? Yep, they still have Jaden yeah. Reed. And he's, not playing right, and he's not playing well. Yeah, Keon Coleman's been the guy who's been leading the way for them. And he like they're both talented, but they're not as good as Naylor was last year. And Naylor might have been benefiting from Kenneth Walker as well. But overall, you could see that you could see how one-dimensional that offense truly was. And yes, they had a downfield passing game, but like we saw with any team that was able to stop Kenneth Walker that downfield passing game became very much bad once teams could limit the run. So the play-action pass wouldn't work. And that's really what we've seen in all three of Michigan State's matchups against the Power Five. Um, Their running backs are averaging 3.0 yards per carry against Power Five opponents. That's not good. good. (laughs) That's That's really bad, actually. And... I, I just I'm just trying to find like I'm trying to find some ways to look at this in a way where I think, man, Ohio State can really gain something from this game. And I think the only thing that they could really go into this game and gain is taking care of business, no penalties, staying disciplined, and winning a road game. That's really the three things I think they can truly gain from this. And confidence. Yeah, and I mean, proving that the passing attack last year, last week was a, you know, it was just a weird game. Uh, you know, yeah. like some of the some of the things they would have connected on were some penalty. There were some holdings and, and different things like that that kind of messed it up. And uh, you know, win, was was running so well, you don't have to throw the ball. So going back out, like you know, CJ Stroud goes out there ten for ten, three touchdowns on the first three drives or something like that. You're like, okay, last week was just a it was just a weird week not to be concerned. And I'm, I'm not concerned. I'm just saying that is something yeah, that they can something. learn about it. Cause I, I'm sure they weren't super happy with that performance. So. Hey, CJ was a champion, man. Yeah. Which, you know, I'm not going to say hey. that he wasn't because I, th- so, I think they're great. They grade on more, uh, um, certain players' execution on the given play versus like yeah. the actual result and it's and it's effort and and things like that and so yeah yeah and I, I was just like also saying like I, I didn't watch the full game because it was Rutgers so I just watched one of the condensed like recaps and a lot of his completions were really good completions like all thirteen of his completions were like yeah that. That was a throw. Yeah. And really, I mean, his, he was a little high on some things, but really his worst throw was like a, it was a heat check because he'd been pretty much perfect for four straight games. Five, if you go back to the Rose Bowl, and he was like, all right, I can do this. And he just shouldn't have do it. And he'll learn from it. I think someone said in one of his interviews, he said he thought he could throw it in the window. And I, I'm not going to tell him, like, I mean, I guess you could tell him he's wrong because it was intercepted, but I'm not going to tell him he's wrong for thinking that when. And he's been throwing in some insane windows. So I feel like yeah. with a heat check, he he uh, he trusted his arm a little bit too much. And that's fine. You know what I mean? If you're doing that once every five games, all right, 
cool. You you throw interception. I mean, I guess it's two in a row, but still, you throw a bad ball like that, which once every four games, you have three interceptions on the season. I'm not going to complain about that. So, and it's a game that you're up by a hundred. So it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't think you throw the heat check. You know, I know once he had a few throws taken off the board. You know, they had a few throws that were interfered with. Like you know. You get 15 yards, but the quarterback doesn't get 15 yards for those. So, and I, I, I was listening to Ryan Day's press conference on Tuesday, and they said he also had a lot of short fields. So, uh, wasn't a statistical anomaly type of game for him because Rutgers wasn't very good at moving the ball. So, I think it really just came out the way it did. And Mayan Williams had a career day, and you just have to celebrate that. And this is the exact type of game I said this on on my my new youtube channel i was like you know cj stroud is is it has rarely come off bad performances so to add to michigan state being the worst position team to challenge ohio state they're also getting cj stroud looking to correct his mistakes from last week so what's that mean you know when you think about it that's dangerous for anybody it's like any great athlete after a bad performance where do they come back and do they show they show the world that that was a fluke. Yeah, especially someone as good as him. So I mean, I feel it's bad. Not, and, and, and it's yeah. just a confluence of factors that they have one of the worst secondaries. Like I would feel sorry for anybody secondary, but this one is. Yeah, it, it's just. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I'm at a loss of words because I, I it's not that I feel like I, I put a lot of effort into planning this show this week and I, I just the more I plan the less excited I got about this football game. Like I was like, ooh, cool, Michigan State on the road. Then I saw two and three, and then I saw their two wins were against uh, a group of five teams, both in the Mac, uh, both not very good Mac teams. And then They've lost every game so far by double digits. So I, I just kept looking into that. Then I kept seeing how they lost, like running backs were running into linemen. Peyton Thorne was like turning the wrong way on handoffs. You know, they weren't completing any passes past the sticks. They had a third and eight, and Peyton Thorne threw a, jar- a drag route with three linebackers over top of it. <laughs> just, yeah, that's it. Good quarterbacks. <laughs> So it's like it was one of those things where I should have like just not dug at all. And I would have had a lot of like fun talking about this game as I discovered this stuff for myself. But it it just this is this is the life that sometimes you live in the Big Ten. And I think this is a fun conversation. Where is Michigan State ranked in your Big Ten East standings right now before we finish up our conversation with them? Fifth. Yeah. You think fifth? I mean, they're better than they're better than Rutgers in Indiana. Do you fully think Rutgers can't beat them? Yes, absolutely. I don't know if I believe that anymore. Have you watched Rutgers this season? Yeah, they're terrible, and they don't know what they're doing at quarterback. So, and they don't have a good running back, and they're not well coached. Unfortunately, uh, they're they're another ten penalty day from Greg Schiano being on my list because, as I keep saying. I understand you have to work up the level of talent, 
but the di- like, the discipline, discipline could yeah. be there already. So, um, yeah, no, I don't think they. I, I mean, anything could happen. I just don't see how it would happen because they there's not a player that scares you, and none of their quarterbacks can get any sort of rhythm because they keep running them in and out. Um, yeah. And, I think so. If if Rutgers had Nova draw from last year, fully healthy, playing in the season in a rhythm, I think Rutgers would be a better team right now. But they don't. They have that issue at quarterback where they play like four dudes, and Evan Simon's the third guy, and it feels like he plays the most. Uh, and then Indiana, I just don't believe in. So now I have Michigan State over Indiana. But Indiana could beat Michigan State much better yeah. than Rutgers can because Indiana could put together a defensive pro- like Indiana like Rutgers has beaten some teams okay but they've beaten teams and scored like seventeen points Indiana could beat th- could score thirty like like they put up thirty or something like that against Illinois they could win a game against Michigan State kind of how that Illinois game went I don't think Rutgers yeah. has that in them which is why I said no to them. Yeah, I, I could legitimately see them finishing six. And like you said, anything could happen. So I'm not going to say seventh out of the picture with them until I see something. Because I haven't seen anything from Michigan State. At least like Rutgers and Boston College is pretty bad this year. But at least they have like a win against a, like a power five football team, right? Yeah, that's true. That they do have that. Uh, yeah, this is Michigan State's remaining schedule. They've got Wisconsin, who's going to be fighting for Jim Leonard's life. They've got Michigan, who's going to be looking for revenge this year after last year. Uh, they've got Illinois, who we're both incredibly high on at this point, so that's an L. Uh, Rutgers could be their only win down the stretch. Rutgers and Indiana back to back. Yeah, I mean, me and I don't Dante, think they're beating Penn State. Yeah, me and Dante love to do the schedule game, and we're like, Michigan State may only win three or four games. Like, and I think I think I I posed it to him. I was like, what's more likely? Four and eight or six and six, and we both agreed four and eight was more likely. So <clears throat> it's it's not looking good, which is it's bad not. for my picks because I picked them to go eight and four. So yeah, but I, I like, it, was like a, you. it was a disgusting eight and four. Like I, if you listen to the show, I didn't believe in it. I just didn't think they would lose certain games that they did that they lost. Like you know, yeah, I I don't think like when. We were doing prediction in the offseason. We didn't know what Washington was going to be. Yeah. We didn't know if Minnesota was going to get back to that same level with Kirk Soraka. We didn't know Maryland was going to outcoach them on a given day. And all three of those things happened. And in and most cases, you pick Michigan State over Maryland nine out of ten times. Michigan, Michigan State and Washington's a toss-up. Not wrong for pitching one of those. And so it's like, yeah, but they lost all of them. So Yeah, and – their crossover matchups are not looking great. I like. I feel like if they had Wisconsin with Paul Chris, that's like the type of game they could win. But like, just sneak up on them. Two bad teams playing each other. Illinois, they're not beating Illinois no, on the did road. They play Wisconsin no this week. Next week. Next week. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, October fifteenth, our bye week. So good thing I'll be out of town for that one because I will not be watching that. No, that's gonna that's gonna be a tough week. Uh, then you've got Michigan State, Michigan. Yeah, it's just it's not looking good for them down the stretch, and it all starts with this game against Ohio State. So if they're gonna find anything 
to gain any momentum, it's going to be this week. Because if this game goes as poorly as the last two have had, this could go south fast. Because that's when that's when players start like buying out, like or not buying out, selling out, not selling out in the good way either. There's like I'm done here. Like we're terrible. This sucks. Like I don't want to play anymore. I'm going to play, but I don't really like it. There's no hope. And I think that I think that happens. I think that happens next week because Wisconsin's not good. I think they probably expect to get blown out by Ohio State. But if if they then lose badly to Wisconsin, who just fired their coach, their season's over. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can see that, too. Uh, anything there, else not, here? Just there's not many teams that can lose to Ohio State and be like, "Oh no, it's time to give up on the season." Ohio State does that to everyone. Like you can, you can be, at, you you can excuse your way through an Ohio State loss. Yeah, um, I was I was listening to a lot of people from Wisconsin talk about that game just because I I wanted to hear like where they were at after that game. And it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, you know, losing to Ohio State's one thing, you know. And then reading the articles from the Paul Chris firing, like, yeah, losing to Illinois is another. Yeah, it, it, it is. So, uh, and the way they did it. But anything else for this? Um, Their offensive line is bad. Yeah. I, I, I think this, like, so Peyton Thorne, not athletic, right? Very unathletic. Like, does not move all that well. Uh, their offensive line has been very bad this year in both the run and pass protection. Uh, they they were like, when I was looking at the stats, they, they give up a sack 3% of dropbacks, and then they throw an interception on 3% of dropbacks, so 6% of dropbacks. And if you really take that in, about 60% of their passes are being completed. That means... 34% are being incomplete and 6% something bad happens. That's not good. No, that, that's not good at all. That's that's very, very bad. Um, it's actually a pretty high percentage. Like, when I was looking at some other teams, because I wanted to, like, be like, like, most good teams are at, like, 25 3%. So 6% combined is not good. Yeah, I mean... Like it sounds low, but it really, it really, really adds up. It adds up to a really, really bad season. Really, really bad things happening, and uh, Michigan State is going to have to. I mean, it is what it is. This is a bad year. It's a bad year. He also has a ten-year, ninety-five million dollar contract. Focus on next year. He's going to have to really do some things and figure some stuff out because they can't. They need a quarterback for next year. They need to develop some talent, and they need a, a secondary. And the sad thing is, none of those things are probably on the roster. So they're still going to have to do the transfer portal thing, but they're going to have to get a good recruiting class with some uh, kind of like. I mean, I hate to do this comparison because we've always been much better. Kind of like Ohio State last year. You, next year, you want freshmen playing. Like you want freshmen playing, getting their lumps, and you hope that a Denzel Ward. You hope that uh, Donovan Jackson, I, I guess he didn't play that much, but still, like, you hope that those guys kind of make a little bit of a name for themselves. JT and Jack, like, you hope to get some of those guys. So then the year after, which is only year eight of the 10 year contract, you actually have some homegrown guys and you can kind of flip this. But honestly, I see two bad years in a row. 
row for Michigan State, honestly, unless he finds some magic in the portal, which is just not likely um, to, to happen all the time. And so, uh, yeah, it's, with it's, 10 years, I do think it's time for him to start building more naturally. And I, I think with his, it. his current recruiting class, I think he's trying to do that. But we know how that works at the end. You know, it, it takes time to do that. And I think Michigan State is one of those few fo- those few programs that's willing to be a little patient with their coach, too. So yeah. they, they can't have another year like this. But No, I actually think before we move on, I do have a good question because I think I asked Dante this. Uh, I want to see if you agree. I think the worst thing that happened to Michigan State was that they won 11 games last year because it makes you double down and it makes you think you're closer than you are. When really, if they would have won yeah. four or five, it would have really showed them where their roster was and it would have put more urgency in things. That 11-win season put you know, put a Band-Aid and, like, blinders on a lot of their issues. And they're like, oh, let's just re-up, let's just re-up, let's just get a running back, let's do this. Let's not make a change at quarterback. Peyton Thorne's a, a guy, like, Jaden Reed's coming back. Like, we're going to be a good team again instead of actually, like, looking at the roster and seeing the deficiencies because everything looked good when really they needed to have a bad year. Like, they needed to have the Illinois year where you win four or five games, but you see some proof of concept and you start to get better and you you realize the weaknesses and where you need to be like need to grow and that didn't happen and so they came into this season thinking yeah we're just going to get back to the mountaintop and even for me like I knew it was going to be a step back but eight games from 11 is a step back right so I'm like eight and four is is easily possible and really they're just a much worse team who somehow I mean I don't I don't even know how you explain last year except the Kenneth Walker effect like he was just such a dominant player that he willed them to 11 wins like and and JJ JJ helped (laughs) they would have been a 10 win team without JJ so shout out to JJ for uh, gifting them that one if that is J.J. McCarthy, the guy who is supposed to be the best quarterback they've had. You know how many times we've heard that about a Michigan All quarterback? Back to, it's literally back to back to back to back. back, to back and to the back thing to is, me. they have gotten more talented. Like, J.J. is the most complete quarterback of all of them because I don't think Shea Patterson was ever a quarterback. Like, J.J. Could, can actually throw the ball. Uh, he's just not good, and he, and he doesn't make good decisions. So, it's like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but without him, Michigan State, only a 10-win team. Uh, but I, I agree with that. I agree with that a lot. I think – I mean, that took – I mean, honestly, you're probably also expecting to get Kenneth Walker for at least two years. Yeah, and then he does that, so. So that, that really just put him in a bind. Uh, but, yeah, I think that'll be it for our Michigan State conversation. I'm really sorry, guys. That was a little gloomy. Uh, we're supposed to be getting you excited for football games, but you know what? We had to drop some realism on you guys. You guys should be excited for this game. It's going to be some fireworks. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think uh, I think no matter what we say, Buckeye fans are always excited. And I think most Buckeye fans, from what I see, especially because you see a lot of why would we want Michigan to be good? We want them to be absolutely terrible. Like a lot of Buckeye fans don't like like they don't want good games. Like they like the beating everyone in the big 10 56 to three. They don't want any of these teams to be good. So I think That's they're excited regardless. I think they hear the doom and gloom and it, and it, and it makes them excited because they're like, um, 
it's going to be an easy blowout. Guys are going to be out in the third quarter, and uh, we're going to cruise. It's going to be the uh, Dallin Hayden show this weekend. Get that boy 100 yards again. TC, get him on. Oh, he might not travel. 74 guys. Uh, he might, though, because you need uh, – did I save that in there? Uh, you need a pair and a spare every time you go on the road. That's what you got to account for. That was Ryan Day's line, and that was one of my favorite lines I've ever heard a coach say because it was just very, like, the most coach-speak way to see, yeah, we need two players and a backup for those two players just in case. And it's like you could have just said that. <laughs> uh, but that was funny to me. Uh, all right. Uh, I don't know. We'll just take the break now. Uh, we've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about after the break. I'm going to go on a special teams rant. Uh, Ryan Day did a, his weekly radio show was actually pretty entertaining today. I didn't put too much in the show plan, but I was actually listening to it today, like live, so I didn't just jump through it. And I actually, it was a full hour. Paul Keels asked some good questions. The fans who got to ask questions asked some good questions. So it was, it was fun. But he is also a liar, Ryan Day. And I'll tell you why after the break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, This is your host, Christopher Rennie. We're back from the break. Uh, I'm here with Jordan Williams, and, you know, I left to the break saying Ryan Day's a liar. And me and Jordan are here to tell you why. So I'll, I'll just lead with it. All right. Ryan Day believes MSU will be the most skilled team we've played to date. We'll provide a significant road test for the Buckeyes. Uh, the survey says that was a lie. If you you guys want to know why that was a lie, uh, rewind the show, go back 40 minutes, and then just go from there. Just absolute lie. Skilled win. I mean, yeah. So the reason I wanted to put this in there, besides the joke that I found from it, was the aspect of like Ryan Day – respects every opponent like he will treat Michigan State exactly the same as the other 11 opponents on the schedule that aren't Michigan because obviously Michigan gets a little bit more special treatment but it doesn't matter it like Ryan Day sees Michigan State he's like man you know seven eight years ago these guys were competing with Ohio State and he's like that ain't happening we got to take these guys seriously we're not going to let up we're going to attack and we're going to do what we do and that's that's what he's saying there He's given them the respect. Uh, but most skilled team we've played to date. Let's go with where you were going with the start. Skilled where? Yeah. I mean, it's not the offensive line. Who? So, uh, let's see. Who's the best quarterback that we faced? Probably Toledo. So, it's not the quarterback. Is Jaden Reed the best wide receiver that we faced? I'd say No. I'm, I'm trying to think of who would be the best. At this point, I don't even remember who we played. He had to be Michael Mayer. 
I mean, he's a tight end, though. I mean, I guess he, I, he's a receiver, but like, yeah, we haven't really played that many good receivers, so he I might be. Tell, yeah, Jaden Reed might be the best wide receiver. Absolutely, I mean, there's no way he's the best running back, right? No way, Jalen Burgers. No, so defensively, I don't know. Not Frick the Shane's pretty good. Mm. He just has no quarterbacks. Yeah, I use the wide receiver, right? Yeah, for uh, Rutgers, I still probably. Take, I don't think he's better than. Yeah, I don't think he's better than Reed, though. But yeah, no, I mean, maybe you could say it's close, but maybe not. Um, I mean, most receivers have looked pretty good against Ohio State's corners, though. So yeah, Jacoby Styles was okay. He made a big play. Jacoby Winman is is solid, but I can't say that he's better than. Uh, um, Notre Dame's defensive lineman, so or Nick Herbog, it's definitely yeah. not the linebackers. Like I refuse to comment on what you said about linebackers because we just got over bad linebacker play, and I just don't want to talk about bad linebackers at all. Uh, and it's not the yeah, he's a liar. Ryan Day's a liar, guys. He is. He's just he's yeah. lying. It's, we just went through it position by position, and the only one that's even possibly true is wide receiver. He's a liar. This is what he did. Yeah, does. Jalen Berger literally lost his job to the running back that they a played two weeks ago. Freshman. I mean, he's great, but a 17-year-old freshman. And that's Braylon Allen was supposed to be a safety, which I learned during the game. I must have missed that. I didn't hear that. Yeah, so he got beat out by a safety at running back. Could you imagine that? You see the way he runs? Could you imagine that guy, 6'2", 230, coming down and scary, hit you honestly. the middle? He's better at running back. Uh, yeah, he's, he, running he, back found the home. he found the right home. But, Could you imagine uh, a quarterback? Like, J.J. loves to get his quarterbacks, his wide receivers hit over the middle. Could you imagine trying to catch a J.J. pass that's a little high over the middle and Braylon Allen just knocks, like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I mean, Wisconsin did have some pretty big safeties, though. That Torchio guy was pretty big. And like the other safety, I can't remember his name because it wasn't as cool as Torchio, <laughs> which is a bad DB name. Actually, you don't want to be Torchio. Yeah, Torchio got torched again. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, Ryan Day. I, I hate to say this, but he he's a liar. Uh, it made me mad that he said that out loud publicly, but I do appreciate. I, I'd much rather like okay, so this is actually a debate I had with myself while I was listening into the car. Like Steve Spurrier in the nineties was a known coach for like disrespecting his opponents, being like he'd disrespect LSU, he'd disrespect anybody he'd play, and Florida was winning national title, so he could. Ryan Day respects every opponent so fully that, like, you start believing it when you don't, like, actually look at it. Like, I looked at it myself, so that's why I don't believe it. But if I was just coming in blind and Ryan Day is, like, saying this, I'd be like, oh, man, these guys pretty skilled. And I know why he's doing this. He's selling Michigan State because once they beat Michigan State, the writers are going to read what Ryan Day said who vote on the AP poll, and they're going to be like, oh, man, Ryan Day said they're the most skilled team they play. Like, that's all they do, and they write them number one in the ranking. So, um, it's it's. I, I will add, this is a significant road test because it is the first road test, and that's always a significant road test. I'd say. Ah, uh, I mean, every road test is a significant road test. I guess. I, I guess I will say, no, no. Okay, so Michigan. Uh, 
uh, Michigan State is, is probably at this point bottom five in road tests. Like, I would have preferred to go to Rutgers. Absolutely. But uh, they never get up in Piscataway. No, I'm saying it's, as far as like, oh, Michigan like State is more yeah. difficult than Rutgers, yes. But uh, I don't know if Michigan State fans are really showing up for this team. Yeah, I, I I will say I agree with that aspect of it. Um, I mean, it is the first. I mean, I don't know. They've played some name games. Like Washington's a pretty big. I'm, I believe that was on the road, so they didn't get the home crowd there. So they're really like it, it's oh, man. Uh, but yeah, road test for the reason that it's the first game, not because of the test. It'll actually be. Yeah, for sure. It is. Uh, all right, so let's move on to something more interesting than that. Uh, Day said Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers, and Cody Simon have been a solid three-man group in the linebacker room this year, and he expects them to continue playing at a high level in 2022. He's a lot. He's so I'm happy. Game, but, like, yes. I, I'm happy he expects them to continue playing at a high level in 2022. That makes me happy. I just don't know why he included Cody Simon, but, like, it's fine. I, I will say, I, I do think so. Cody Simon hasn't been as versatile as Eigenberg and Steel Chambers, but Ryan Date did bring up that he plays in more run uh, oriented situations with Eigenberg on the field, and they've done a really good job in those situations together. Sure. So, situationally, Cody Simon has been good. I'm with you. He's third. Uh, the two guys have separated themselves significantly from the rest of the group. And Cody Simon, I, I, he's a nice depth piece because he gives Steel Chambers a break sometimes. Yeah. I don't know that I would like It's Okay, it's fine. I'm being picky at this point. But, yeah, it's Is fine. It, I mean, I guess, I guess if we really want to get nitpicky and go after it, like, is a three-man group enough? Yes, absolutely. Do we need more linebackers? Like, no. That's not my next this, story. Not I'm going to get I'm going to get the fans riled up. Actually, I'm do I it. lied. We do need more. Bring us CJ Hicks. Yeah, honestly, I just want to see the linebacker. They have returning kicks play linebacker. Like this guy's a freak athlete if they have him back there. Nah. Don't get me started on that. I mean, even if it's in garbage time, I just want to see it. I think I don't. Know, I think I was talking. I don't know what show I said this on. Maybe he can play safety. Uh, yeah, I don't know what show I said this on, or if I even said it out loud. Or I just tweeted it. Uh, it is very, very hard to switch from running back to linebacker, and Steel Chambers made it look easy. Um, but even to get to where Steel Chambers was last year, which was a barely functioning linebacker, is very hard. And uh, yeah. Diamante Trainum was always a redshirt candidate, and the reason why they took him and allowed him to make the switch is because he had three years of eligibility left. He's still a, a relatively young guy. He was never going to see the field. Like If he sees the field, we're in dire straits. He's not even the fourth linebacker. Or the fifth, honestly. We might see uh, Reed Carrico before we see him this year. And that is not a yeah, negative. we probably see Sonny Styles before we see nothing. him. Yeah, and that, that's not a negative. And that says nothing about his future. Steel is just different. Like, like Steel made it seem like you can just do that and play. And you can't. I mean, I, I think it's a harder transition from wide receiver to tight end, honestly. 
and G Scott doesn't see the field because he's transfer he's transitioning to tight end. So yeah, um, I will say I've been surprised at how much they've actually trusted G Scott in those short yardage run situations as a second tight end. Yeah, he's I mean, been he's, in with Stover a lot. Yeah, he he's he's finally made the transition, but it took two yeah, years. But at first, it was it was hard for him to get on the field, and he was basically just playing as a split out tight end and just playing a big slot receiver. But yeah, so. Um, I think, and I was just more. I was saying that more in in passing because he's just he just so he interests me, man. Ever since the yeah. players talked about him and compared him to Hercules, it's just like hard for me to envision a world where Hercules isn't on the football field. Yeah, and and that wasn't even so much addressed to you. That was addressed to the fans that's going to run with it, and I'm going to start seeing. Boy, Williams may take over Ronnie Hickman's job next year. Like, come on now, come on now. Like, I'm sorry. We're going to take a victory lap well, right here. I had be in the NFL, so he might. Yeah, you know, I, 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 we just got to temper things. People are not always going to pick up on some of the jokes. And I, I, linebackers, is too, it's too serious a position to joke. We've had too many. Am, bad I, years. am I a little? Am I a little too deadpan with my delivery on some of those things? I don't even think it's too deadpan. I just think if you don't know, you don't know. Some things are more obvious than others. Like, like if you, like, yeah, I think some things are more obvious than others. That one is something I think people could believe. <laughs> yeah. That's somewhere it's like, all right, like, yeah, he, he's joking. But I just, maybe I'm being sensitive to the linebackers. We finally got good linebacker hey. play. I, I, I'm trying to keep it for as long hey. as possible. I can't go through another year of bad linebackers. All right, so this this question came up for me when Ryan Day said this. He said that the linebacker improvement's been 50-50 with Jim Knowles and 50 like the other 50% of it's been Jim Knowles and 50% of it's been the experience Tommy and Steele have had last year. Uh and this year, like just playing games. Um I don't think that number is weighted that way. I yeah. do not think it's 50-50. I think it's 75 Jim and I think it's 25 the linebackers playing and seeing more snaps. Yeah, because Tommy would have been better this year with the same staff. We just talked about it. He got better last year. That's why we were so excited for him. He was progressing each game to the point that either I did or I thought about apologizing to him. So, so yeah, he was getting better. No, we apologized. We did. Okay, so I, we did. I couldn't remember. So, so you know, he's got better with bad coaching, absolutely. But he wouldn't be this good. He wouldn't be yeah. second-round pick in the NFL good. And that's where he's, he's gonna going. Be. He's going to Yeah, he's going to be a second or third round pick in the NFL. Speaking of, by the way, just just to put it out there, Pete Warner is leading the league in solo tackles. Just saying, he wasn't a bad. He wasn't a bad. He wasn't a bad linebacker. He's just a run first linebacker, uh, and he had a terrible linebacker. How Washington to be honest? Put him in Rikers Island. Yeah, honestly. I, we, we went down a rabbit hole here. I, I'm sorry we took you guys down that with the linebackers. We didn't need to bring up Al, but uh, it was bad. And Tommy and Steele and even Cody, like, he was struggling a lot last year. I think he's been productive for his role. So, like, that's three for three, Jim. And 75-20, like, 50-50, Ryan, you're being a little generous of the experience they got last year. I mean, at this point, he's just solidifying that he's a liar. Like, three things in a row is just lying back to back to back. Like, come on. I'm just like, when I title this show, it's going to be Bug Off Pod podcast. Ryan Day is a liar. That'll get some listens. Like, what are they talking about? (laughs) 
they're gonna have to wait 45 minutes in the show to get to it and they're gonna be like ah oh, these guys they got me <laughs> they got me all right uh, where is the article there's some more that I wanted to talk about all right um, this one this 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 takeaway here we're trying to do something that's not normal we're trying to be the best team in college football. What were you trying to do the last few years, Ryan? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man, I just had to get that one out there. Like, So this is my favorite thing about the coach radio shows is they're so controlled. And so, like, like oh, man, like these answers. Uh, man, I, that one was fun. I had that joke saved all day. <laughs> That one's funny. That's yeah. Come on, Ryan. What, what, what are we doing here, man? Like, this is how bored he is. He's, he's just saying anything. He, he goes to the film. He's like, "What is this team?" Like, I could. My, he's like, "My." I don't even know how old his son is, but I, I think he's under ten. So my under ten year old son could coordinate this offense. Yeah, he's like, we got Kevin Wilson up there picking his nose, calling inside zone, outside zone, wide zone, and then we throw a pass. <laughs> It's like, what's he doing? He's just pressing X on the play sheet. Ask Madden, and that's what we're doing. Uh, I'm trying to find some good stuff. Oh, this one was good. It got deleted, actually. Uh, my favorite line from Ryan Day this year. We certainly hope he will be back this week. We're going to need him. Can you guess the player? What would be the biggest lie? What would be the biggest lie? It's not... Uh, it can't be one of the. It sounds like something he would say for one of the corners, but we're gonna need him. May actually be real for corners. Who else? Who else was missing? Um, uh, it's a big name. That's my one hint. Is it JSN? No, it's Travion. Yeah. It's Travion. It's Travion. Yeah, it's Travion. <laughs> <laughs> and it was JSN, and it's been the corners. He says that every week for whoever's out when he gets asked about it, and. It's so annoying because, I mean, the number one, the availability reports have been awful, right? They do them on Thursday. Well, guess what? Players don't know if they're going to be fully healthy by Saturday, some of them. Like, if you're addicted up, you've got a little bit of a soft tissue thing going. You might not be ready by Saturday if you decide Thursday afternoon. But, oh, yeah, and this is the other word, late scratch. <sighs> Competitive stamina, late scratch. We certainly hope he will be back this week. We're going to need him. Those are the three Ryan Day. Every time you hear him, you just, you just, you, you light up. Uh, let me see. I, I me will see. say, just to get this out the way, personally, I don't care about the injury report. There are so many people on staff. Can we still call ourselves a staff? We get paid. There's so many people on staff and fans on Twitter and stuff who complain about it. I don't care. If we're not playing Georgia, Alabama, or Michigan, I don't – it's just like and, – and I do think like – I think sometimes we kind of get used to uh, fantasy football and we get used to the NFL where these people are adults and um, also millionaires. You're asking for the injury of a, a 19 year old that's illegal yeah like, like leave them like just leave it alone I, like I, like yeah. i get it it's sports and things like that but it's really not our business it's not do you don't go to pickerington central and ask why their guys aren't playing this isn't much different i guess it is because it's it's college but whatever it's ohio state maybe that's a bad example but it really just doesn't matter like you wouldn't go to any other level except the nfl so just like leave it alone like i don't care i don't 
I care that these yeah, players it's- are healthy, and I care that they don't ruin their NFL future by trying to play against Rutgers. So that's yeah, just my I, little I think- rant about it. So I, I'm with you more. I think I lean that way where it's like, ah, whatever. Like they're providing one that's nice. Like they went away from providing depth charts. Uh, the one thing I will say, the only um, competitive advantage it really gives is like, okay, maybe JSN's not playing. Like for most players, it doesn't really have any competitive advantage. But when you Look at it. Uh, it. It's just one of those things where I think coaches are trying too hard. Like, no one in the Big Ten releases a full depth chart. Why? Everyone can make their own. It's pretty easy. Just do the service of it. I, I don't think you should do it Thursday. If you're going to do one, I don't think you should do it two days before the game. I think you should do it when you decide the travel roster for an away game. I think you should do it when – that ends up happening like right before you leave, and then well, they I, Thursday is when they would decide the travel roster. Yes, but it would, I guess for an away game, it would probably be much more accurate the availability report than a home game. But there's a lot of guys who've been playing and warming up and doing that, and they've just been scratched right before the game. So it's like we know that that's where that's so that's where I'm coming full circle. That's where my complaint is. It's like they warm up, they're out, like. Why do you need to see that on the availability report? Like they just told us. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's where my issue with it is, but it's really a small thing. The NFL does it because they have so many rules and regulations and everything. That and you sign up for that when they're paying you millions of dollars. Like you sign up for someone to say that you know you have a tweaked ankle or something like that. When you're 19, like you don't need to like you know what I mean. Like you don't need to know that. And if I was the parent of a 19 year old, I wouldn't want Ryan Day going up there and saying, "Yeah, my 19 year old wide receiver is out because of this, 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 and this." You know what I mean? I I just think some things need to be private. and I think we forget that in the professionalization of college sports, but it is still not professional. It is still a college sport and they are still kids, especially at Ohio State. I feel like I just said this somewhere. It was either on this show or the other one. I don't know. I don't even know what I'd be saying anymore. Ohio State players, they last three years. CJ Stroud just turned 21. He's a two year starter about to go to the draft. They're literally children like Marvin Harrison, not 21. JSN, probably not 21. Paris Johnson Jr., probably not 21. Donovan Jackson is absolutely not 21. Um, the Lynchos, Jaden Ballard, all of these guys, Emeka Ibuka, not 21. Like, they're all literally children still. Um, like, except Zach Harrison, funny. who's 30. And yeah. Zach, Harrison's yeah. been there for, Zach Harrison's been there forever, yeah. and I bet you he's 22 or 23. I'm gonna You're Google. right. You're, I, let's look it up. Let's look it up. I got yeah. it. All right. I got it. We'll see it real quick. Uh, but I was going to say, the funniest thing about that, he's 21 years old. He was born in 2001. Like, what are you talking about? Like, he's been there for four years. He's 21. Like, you, I could just now go get a drink with Zach Harrison. Come on. Like, and he's, he's the old guy in the room. Like, it's funny to me because, like, a lot of the time, too, you don't really like they're playing. And it feels like because the broadcast feels very similar to an NFL game, like the graphics, everything. When they're just on the field, they're in helmets. They're all big still. And then 
you see them talk sometimes in their pressers or like with Holly Rowe or whoever the sideline reporter is. And you're like, oh, yeah, no, this dude's this dude's 20 years old. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> like, yeah, he's he's a he's a child. Um, All right. And then I got one more. This isn't from Ryan Day's weekly radio show. This was just one of the funniest things I think the coach a, a coach has ever said about a player. Uh, Jim Knowles in his press availability this week was talking about Tommy Eichenberg, and sometimes he doesn't even respond with words. Sometimes he just responds with a grunt. And that's a middle linebacker. Real linebackers don't need words. That's it. That's all. They don't need to be flashy. They don't need to be pretty. There are a couple people... There are a couple positions I don't. There's a couple positions I don't want attractive players. It's just, it just is what it is. My offensive linemen don't need to be pretty. They don't need to be. You know, they don't. They just don't. Middle linebackers don't. Like you can be a pretty. You, you can you can be you know a flashy pretty wide receiver in the chains and jewelry and all that other kind of stuff. Offensive linemen, middle linebackers, see ball get ball. I don't need it. I, you don't need to be flashy. Just get to it. Tommy Eichenberg, he's bald. Is he bald because he doesn't have hair? Or is he bald because he doesn't care about his image because he wants to tackle everybody? I don't know. And he's What's not like a regular bald, too. He, he's he got the cul-de-sac going, so that means he just doesn't care. Yeah, he's just like, take this off so I don't have to worry about it in the morning. I need to go watch film. Yeah, My kind he's, of guy. he's balding. He's not bald. He's balding, and he's opening. He's owning it. That, yeah. Hey, respect it. I check my hairline every morning when I wake up, and Tommy Eigenberg's just rocking the and no disrespect, you couldn't be my middle linebacker. You still care about your hair. You're, you're not there yeah. yet. You're not there yet. As soon as you give it up, though, we can we can hey, get that's why, field. That's why in junior college when they said Do you want to play defense or offense, I ran over with the receivers. <laughs> Imagining you as like uh, the uh, the uh, the dramatic wide receiver is funny. Yeah, uh, it was it was a good time. I had a mouth. I was even more like before I, I was a white corner for the longest time. And before I moved inside, which was a more natural fit uh, with my limited vertical speed, like I was a good zone corner, which was why I was a good safety. But man, like there were some guys I played at camps where I was like, there's just no chance here. Like there's no chance here. Like, cause I was going to camps in Los Angeles. So I, I remember one time we were playing a big seven on seven. This is the type of tangents we're on today. And I, we were playing Long Beach Poly. And that was when Juju Smith-Schuster was there. And I'm like, hey, there's no way. There's no way on God's green earth I'm going to cover Juju Smith. No. <laughs> Why are we doing this, coach? <laughs> like, it's like, like, if I'm a safety, I can help over top. But... There's no way I can just go and like you're gonna call cover one in passing league because we're trying to get better and you're gonna leave me on an island with Juju Smith. Like put me inside, coach. I can't do this anymore. It's like, come on, my, my family's here. There's a cute girl in the stand. She doesn't even understand football, but she's gonna see me 15 yards behind him and 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 she's wearing my jersey right now. She's gonna take it off. She's embarrassed. Look, look what you did to me, coach. Like and if I keep up with him, he's just going to jump over me and catch the football. Which might be worse. Because uh, at yeah, least no, when you get desperate, you can, like, get confused and be like, oh, where's the safety? Just, the, uh, like, you know, just act like the hamstring just, tightened up a little bit. Stop, go to the trailer yeah, and get it rolled out. I need some mustard, uh, which doesn't work, but I, I need some mustard. Like, pickle <laughs> juice does, though. Um, and we're going to be – this is this – is, we're going to see that hamstring move a lot by the by – the, 
by the wide receiver or the DBs at Michigan State this week. <laughs> so that's really where we brought it full circle back. Well, I just thought that was a that's, fun conversation. That's true podcasting right there. Yeah. A tangent that's brought back to the conversation at hand. That's just that's a meta conversation because we brought it full circle and then we told you about it. Um all right, we've got I mean we're at we're at, we're making good time here. We don't have too much left. I think it's time for our victory lap. I, I didn't want to put this at the start of the show because I think starting off the show with like a very braggadocious take is sometimes a little too tense and we were pretty rough on Michigan State. I felt like we needed to be that first. Just get the rough shot out of the way. And we get to take our victory lap. All right. So I wasn't able to find the show, unfortunately, that we said it. But I, I was looking I was looking for two words. I listened to like 15 of our offseason podcasts today on like two and a half speed. And I just kept listening for DeForest Buckner because I remember us vividly looking up DeForest Buckner to compare his physical traits to Zach Harrison. And they were identical at the time we looked them up. Yeah. Which was, I mean... And, Great. In that conversation, I don't know how it started. Do you remember how it started, how it came about? We were just talking about Zach yeah, Harrison. I, and then we're like, I know how. I'm Because I brought it up, and I'm pretty sure I brought it up because I said, I don't want to see Marvin Harrison starting, and I don't want to – like, if you want to, if you want him to play, move yeah. my three-tech, I, like, I want to see the young guys. And I was like, he would be – I was like, and we were talking about how he's a good run stopper but not a good pass rusher, and he would be – and you can be a good run stopper at, at three-tech. Yeah. Like, that's, that's the, the genesis of the conversation because – I was trying and, to get I was trying to get him on the field without him taking snaps because you knew he was going to play. Like, hey, he might could he play three tech? And then we asked each other that, and then we're like, "How big's the Forrest Buckner? Because he's, he's not huge. that big. Like, he's like two seventy five. And I was like, Zach Harrison's huge. Yeah, like he's like he's like the Forrest Buckner is like six five two seventy five. Zach Harrison's like six five something. I was like, I, I bigger. Like yeah, it's like he could be DeForest Buckner at Eric Armstead. This like stupid big freaking three tech. And we said that I want to say I'm starting to remember the conversation. That was around July. So I just want you. I think we to brought go. it back up in July. I think we. I think we originally said that in like March. That's probably why you didn't find yeah. it. You didn't go back far enough. We mentioned yeah. it twice. I think we brought it back up in July when we did the roster preview, but it came up in a tangent in like March. Yeah, that's probably that's probably what happened during like spring ball. Uh, well, I think it was maybe one of them. Like they kept talking up JT or something like that, or one of the early roster previews we did when we were like searching for content. Yeah, that, that, would, that seems to fit. The searching for content is where it seems to fit the most. Uh, but with that, I will say this: uh, when you listen to your NFL beat or your Ohio State beat writers, when you listen to them saying, "Man, that performance from." Uh, Zach Harrison was really good last week at D-Tackle. I don't know how they haven't thought about this this whole time. The guys were paid tons of, like, eight figures to just cover the team. Didn't think about this. Because they don't the know guys football. who are freelancers came up with that potentially in March. We're going to find it. I honestly might put – what's it called when you put out a, a search – on someone, there's like a special word they use in cop shows. I'm going to put one of those out, and the reward will be small. And I'll tell you the reward once you provide the uh, <laughs> you provide uh, the timestamp of where that content was. Yeah. So 
Uh, depends on what payday looks like tomorrow, and the reward might be something. And that's all I'll say. So you guys probably don't have to do it. I'll, I'll keep looking. At minimum, but, it'll be a shout out on the podcast. Yeah, that's probably the minimum. That's probably what it will be. If I'm being honest, I'm not. I'm not. I don't have the money like that. To be offering up rewards. But I, I think um, hearing Jim Knowles say it made it even better because I was like kind of angry listening to some other Ohio State podcast talking about it. And like I said it first, I said it first. And instead of just like relishing in the victory lap while I was listening to other people talk about our our incredible take in the offseason, uh, I was angry. <laughs> I, got, and I was like, I said it first. It's like yeah. we said it first. We said it first on book off. It's we like they give us credit. Yeah, they're like there's some things where it's like okay, like you know, no, we don't need to be those guys. But moving your five star defensive end who's been with the program for three or four years to three technique and comparing him to someone who has the same exact measurables just off the top of your head. Yeah, that is something we need the credit for. Like that is that is great knowledge of football, of Ohio State, of the players' attributes, of other players. Like, come on, like off the, for, off the we, gave, we gave that to you for free. Don't and listen. Do not do not let a single not a single NFL draft evaluator give a DeForest Buckner or Eric Armstead player comp. comp. If I see that in you, it could be Joe Smo at SB Nation for the for the Lions or so. It doesn't matter if there's a single person who gets paid some sort of dollar figures, but especially if it's a national one who gives a DeForest Buckner player composition player comp for comparison for come on now. We need our credit. We we take victory laps pretty often on this show, but this one's like a real one. I'm proud of this one. Off the cuff, off season conversation becoming real life. Like, come on, that's you can't get better podcasting than that anywhere. Uh, I will say, and, uh, I'm going to go back to listen to this one. It could be this. It could be this March 11th show. Um, I think I listened to the March 11th. Okay, because in the thing, uh, and we get into a long talk about the positions. Is how you put it. <laughs> Uh, that sounds like it. That sounds like it. All right, but let's hear uh, let's hear Jim Knowles talk about it because you guys probably care more about that than us talking yeah. about it. Uh, Jim Knowles was asked about Zach Harrison playing uh, the position, and he said, "I think it's great. It's great for him. It's great for his future. It's great for our defense, and it gives people something to think about too and plan for." Uh, I honestly was waiting for Jim Knowles to say "right about" because that's honestly the tone he was kind of saying that with. But I respect him for keeping that his his tongue tied on that one. Uh, but I do think this is great for him. I think this opens him up to play in three four schemes. I think this opens him up to play in the more diverse modern NFL like four two five schemes where they do get smaller and they like to have that two hundred seventy five pound three tech. So I, I'm really here for it, and I think. I, I so the thing is everyone's using it into saying it'll just be a rushman package. I don't even think it'll be that. I think Zach Harrison can hold his own in the run game. Yeah, and like that was and his biggest strength. It, it literally is, and I think it's something that they're going to see more often, and I think that they'll do more often. So um, I don't so know I, why I they wouldn't it, do it. Or, 
I think calling it a Rushman package is a little disingenuous because he could do a little bit more than that from that that slot. And truthfully, if you want a Rushman package, don't you want Tyleek in there? Because Tyleek is a better pass rusher. He's a better if you're doing pass rush, he's a better pass rusher from that from the three. And I'll say this: it feels like historically the Rushman packages were uh, four true defensive ends. It was like. Sam Hubbard, Joey Bosa, Chase Young, and then uh, like Draymond Jones or something, all on the uh, who ended up being a three tech. But like those guys were DNs, and they all came in to rush the passer. So that's really what the Rushman package is. This is just more of like small three package versus a defense. And yeah, he was he, he was making he was a menace in around. I think that's the best way to put it. He was being a menace for the offensive Rutgers. Like he was just being an irritant. I don't think like he was doing anything necessarily explosive, but he was tipping passes. He was getting in passing lanes. He forced that interception. It was a good performance. And the thing is, like, he's he still has crazy athleticism. And while that doesn't always show against tackles who also are, are good at paying attention to that, that's going to show against a guard. He can speed rush a guard where he might not be able to speed rush a tackle necessarily. Like that, like he being inside is going to make him a better pass rusher because of the players that he's playing against. Right. You need less bend. It's less things like, yeah. So you use your hands a little bit more and you use your hips a little bit less when you're pass rushing from the inside. And that's where Zach Harrison's attribute as a pass rusher I think he's really good with his hands. He's just when he gets that edge on a tackle, he just can't get under him like elite pass rushers can. Like, and I think Jack Sawyer is a great example of that because he's a very <clears throat> he's a much smaller player than Zach Harrison, and you could really see how his speed and once he gets to that corner, he just dips down and gets past people, mm-hmm. and he hasn't been able to clean up either, but. It's just the way it looks is a lot different, and I think he looks like a much more natural fit at that three technique. Yeah, and then I, I mean, honestly, I this is that. this is what he says on top of it. He said, "I told Coach Jay uh, for those out of the know that's Coach Johnson. I'm cool, so I know who Coach Jay is." He said, "I told Coach Jay I like it. If he wants to put me in there, I have no problem going and rushing at three tech." Harrison said during midweek interview session. That's pretty much the extent of that. I just told him I like it and I'm willing to do it and work on it a little bit in practice, little one-on-one tech or little one-on-ones at three tech. Um, I think he needs to do more at three tech, honestly. I think him, uh, Teron Vincent, Mike Hall, Tyleek Williams is a much better four than putting in uh, Ty Hamilton or – uh, drawn cage at this point. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I agree with that 100%. And you take JT and, and Jack off the field a lot less. Um, and I still feel like he has a place outside as well, but more in like run situations. Right. Yeah, I agree. But um, so that way you could say it's a quote unquote Rushman package if you want to, although I agree with you that it's not that. Um, because I genuinely think this is like offensive tackles in the draft where they always move them inside. That doesn't happen a whole lot with DNs because most of them don't have the size. But I think with him, that that is a really good one. And so, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think the more film he gets there, the better off uh, he's going to be. 
if and Coach the Jay's moving, the better off the, the uh, better off the team is going to be. Yeah, I mean, if Coach Jay's for it and Coach K's for it, I'm for it. So that's where I'll stand. Did you listen to the uh, April fifteenth show? I don't think I went to April. Okay. So there's a long discussion about the offensive line, defensive line, and who winning that battle is more important for the outlook of the team. Ooh. So we we have – so that's two hints for you guys. Yes. March 11th and April 15th seem like some shows where we could have talked about uh, that. Yeah. I mean, hey – all right, I think I think it's time. We'll start wrapping this bad boy up. It's actually one of our shortest shows in a little bit. Not because I, I, I was telling – we were talking about this before the show. Uh, when Ohio State's bad, content's easy to come by. Oh, like yeah. When Ohio State has an issue, it's it's incredibly easy. Especially because we're true Ohio State fans, so we just get on here and rant. Like We're just mad. Yeah. And it leads to tangent after tangent. And when you have a team that's playing at the level it is, like I wasn't going to come on here Friday, like five days, six days after the game when you got or, or listening to it and be like, yeah, you know what? CJ Stroud missed some throws last week. That made me mad. Like in the moment, yeah, it's a little frustrating. But like undefeated, they beat every team by double digits so far this year. Most teams by more than 20 points. Um... It's been it's been it's been a joy. It's been a joy to watch this team play so far. And it should not change heading into this final game before they go into the bye week. But there is one area on this team that I think people have found a lightning rod of content for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before we get to that, I just want to – because I think that's going to be a good thing to end the show. Um, yeah, I I hate to I don't know maybe this is road colors of glasses you could say whatever Ohio State has not shown the flaw the fatal flaw that Georgia and Alabama have shown so far that USC has shown so far like I could go through all those teams and name the flaw USC I think play we drop do eight that, yeah. play drop eight and Caleb Williams is not a good quarterback uh, Bama offensive line is not good like it was they have no wide receivers if you get them in a tight game it seems like one of their defensive players is going to make a stupid penalty Georgia they gave up 22 back to back to Missouri and to uh, Kent State and it seems like there's some holes in that defense and their offense uh, is experiencing some issues which who I mean no one thought that their offense was going to be the best offense in the country and they can't run the ball yeah, and like, if they can't give it to Brock Bowers they're in trouble and i mean like brock bowers is obviously better than michael mayer yes but ohio state especially with jim Knowles, if you only have one player he's not going to kill you or they're going to give them the ohio state treatment and brock bowers can't score 45 points by himself so you know like you can go for all the like who i mean i guess who's the other top team i don't know it's not U.S. Uh, Oklahoma State doesn't have a defense. And Spencer, uh, I'm not Tennessee believing Spencer has played. the Spencer uh, thing. Uh, Tennessee they, hasn't really played anybody. Yeah, uh, Tennessee would be. They'd be, they'd be tough. They'd be a fun game to watch. Actually, offense, yeah, because their so offense is, is really, really tough. And Hendon Hooker. Uh, um, yeah, honestly, we don't know how healthy Bryce Young is either. Like, I know, like shoulder strains. Like shoulders aren't something that are. Like you hear it and it's like, okay, that's okay. That could be bad. That could be good. Like that could be, uh, there's no good injury, but you're saying that he could come back from that. I don't know where that is at. Like they're very 
coy about their injuries at Alabama as well. Uh, he's doing some stuff. Okay, he could be doing band work. He could be throwing the football. There's a wide range of stuff there, like just to say stuff. Uh, I'm with you. I don't think USC is very good. I don't think they make it through the Pac-12 slate unbeaten. They've been playing a little too close to the fire. Yeah, for sure. But I'm with not you. I that Ohio State doesn't have that flaw, but we haven't seen it yet. Um, yeah. Their flaw is when you can slow the game down, you can keep it close. Yeah, I think Ohio State's maybe biggest flaw is their – actually, no. Okay, I lied. We do have the flaw. It's the corners. It's the corner. Yeah. But, like, and the guess who's just talked about don't have the receivers to, te- to test that. So, yeah. The only team that does is Tennessee. And I don't think they'll be seeing them. So, yeah, I would I, I would hate to see us against Xavier Worthy, but we're not going to play them. So, yeah, Oklahoma's not going to be there. And that's not to say once they get into, like, the meat of their schedule, something can't arise. It's just, like, as of now – through as many games as we've seen, like Ohio State's won games physically. They've won games explosively. They've won games on the backs of their defense. The Notre Dame game, I'd say, was on the back of their defense. And then, yeah, I, they've won games every single way you want to see them win a football game. Yeah. And it's not even – we're not even halfway through the season yet. They're not even bowl eligible yet. And they're not in their final form. Uh, one quick question, quick yes or no, or maybe, because I don't want to get on a major tangent because we were going to get out of here early. If you're Bryce Young, do you sit down for the draft? He's a quarterback with a shoulder injury. Uh, man, it depends. Like, if it's a ligament injury, absolutely. It, which it sounds like it if it's a shoulder strain. I thought they said um, AC joint strain. Was yeah, so that's similar to what CJ had last year. It's on like, the opposite side of the collarbone, though. Uh, for people I, who don't know and who are blessed to not have shoulder injuries, your AC joint is where your collarbone connects with your what sternum. Uh, yeah, with your sternum and with well, inside is sternum, outside is where yeah, outside is the chest plate. Uh, I don't know the actual medical term. Outside is where it connects with uh, what's the long bone in your arm? Femur? That's uh, your leg. Bicep? The bicep. Whatever the bone is in your bicep, because I'm not a medical professional, the AC joint is where your collarbone connects with the long bone in your arm and your bicep. I thought that was the SC joint. No, I'm pretty sure it's not. AC joints outside. It's in Uh, in the shoulder. Uh, The other one, yeah. Yeah. But I could yeah, regardless, it, it hurts like it hurts training. Whatever it, it feels like a broken collarbone when it happens, um, and it is hard to come. It is hard to overcome as well. It's hard, it's not a pain that goes away. It is something you could play through though, reasonably. But it takes a lot of uh, ibuprofen and a lot of whatever injections they have to get players for limiting injuries. Yeah, but yeah. AC joint is the joint in between your collarbone and your scapula and the big bone okay. in the arm. It's the outside. It's right. It's gotcha. like that bone that you can feel right at the top of your shoulder, like at the crown of your shoulder. The that joint is where those three bones connect. Yeah, and whenever you you dislocate your shoulder, that's what stabs your orbital bone. Yeah. 
yeah, and messes it up. Because your scapula is uh, that big flat bone that runs across the back of your shoulder, and then your collarbone connects to that, and then right under that is where you get that the whatever socket for where your uh, that big bone in your arm comes in. So yeah, we, God, we became medical, medical professionals. Experts. You know, this yeah. I shouldn't know this, but I, I did a little bit of athletic training, and I've had shoulder injuries, and I have pain for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah, my shoulders click when I throw, so I understand. All right, let's get into special teams. Uh, this was one that I would have been very, I would have been very excited to talk about on the instant recap because I saw Emeka Ibuka drop the punt. It was a windy day. All right, and as as a former punt returner, I know I, I don't look like a former punt returner anymore. But in high school, I was a punt returner, and. It is the one skill I think that you could transfer to anybody like at any given time in your life. Like I feel very confident I'd go out and catch a punt right now. So I know what a mech is going through. And there were 15 to 20 mile an hour wins. So I understand that you get your distances and stuff and you have them. And that's probably where a mecha was standing because Rutgers does not have a great punter. And he was standing pretty short. But guess what? Any punter with the wind at their back can become a very good punter very quickly. And I think the issue is Emeka is a very confident athlete. You know me, I'd stand back 15 yards, so I'd run up under every ball. I wouldn't stand right at the distance because guess what that means? I don't get to see where it comes. So that's that's where I think Emeka – Jackson Smith and Jigba didn't have this problem. It's an Emeka. He needs to figure out his alignment, where he stands, where he's comfortable – where he wants to approach the ball because approaching a punt with an over the shoulder catch is not good enough. And that's where Parker Fleming is not doing his job. So he's earned, he's lost a quarter of his money because we haven't blocked a punt and we've muffed a, a few punts. All right. So I think he's doing a good job. Our cover team is both sides. It's great. Punt coverage, uh, kick coverage. I don't think there's a better I, I'd put ours against any other team in the country. And then on kickoff return, uh, everyone like, so this is a complaint I keep seeing online. Like everyone wants to return a kick for a touchdown. All right. When Ohio state starts at 25, they score like they've scored like 90% of their possessions this year. So the more, more likely thing to happen is the ball hits chip training them in the face and they recovered at the tent than it is for the kick return as what we've seen. So, you know what? Keep calling fair catches. You don't have to earn a paycheck every every single unit. Just do your job. And that's what they're doing. But I, I just I, I don't have a rant because a hey, fair catch to kickoff because CJ Stroud's gonna get the ball in the end zone. Yeah. I mean it's nice, but the other thing is yeah, I, I, the other like I hate to be this. I hate to uh, I hate to be this guy, but the reason why they they increased the thing is, is so that you can. Um, yeah, and I mean you make a good point about the kickoffs, and I hate to be this guy because I sort of dislike the rule, but also with all the injuries and stuff, like, you have to find a way to make a game safer. But I hate to be this guy that's like, oh, we're doing this to make the game safer. But with, with kickoffs especially, first of all, CJ's going to get the ball into the end zone. Mayan, Trey, they're all going to get the ball into the end zone. But also, kickoff is the most dangerous play in sports. 
It just is. You're giving people a 60 yard head start to lay somebody out. So uh, I also would prefer that our starting wide receiver just kind of catch the ball and not not get some of those hits. So um, I'm totally fine with that. And I think Ryan Day did make a good point with where Emeka was lined up that um, having him go back too far uh, allows balls to bounce. And because the turf is new, balls skyrocket off the turf um, and they, they bounce a lot because it hasn't been worn in. And that is something that a high level coach thinks about and someone that has to deal with the turf a lot because turf does react weird, which is why you should play football on grass, be a man, but you know, whatever. Everyone's moving the turf. Yeah, anyway. No one plays golf on turf. So yeah. Let's think so, about that. Um, yeah. So it's like, I, I think the special teams are fine. I see the, when things are working, I see the value of a special teams coordinator and I see it more, more so now that you get the 10 full assistants and you can kind of do it. Like the thing that I always ask for is to have a separate corner and a separate um, safety coach, coach, which we have. So like realistically, where would the other, where would the other coach be? Like what position? Yeah, you really don't have it. And the the best part is, is like, I think we we kept bringing that up last year because the the assistants sucked. So we were probably just like, hey, one more assistant, this team could be okay. Right. And I think the only other place that you could put them would be linebackers. And I'd be fine with having an actual linebackers coach. Like if if, um, the guy that I can't think of his name is, is Coy the one that does linebackers, McFarlane? Yeah, is he it, is. Uh, what's say is he? He's a quality control assistant now. He's a QC coach for the defense, and he does linebackers. Yeah, so like, if you if he was being offered a job somewhere, and he finally earned his way to an on field coach, I would be totally fine with him getting that instead of Jim Knowles doing it. Even though Jim Knowles likes to do line to, uh, to coach linebackers, we all know the QC uh, the QC is really doing all the work anyway. But outside of that, in general, like I think the way the staff makeup is fine, uh, especially. Especially because you don't need a full-time tight ends coach. The offensive coordinator can be the tight ends coach. You don't need a full-time yeah, tight ends coach. So that's how it is. And I think special teams is like Urban Meyer used to say, special teams is one of the most important positions on the field. So if you can dedicate a full special teams coordinator, it's fine. It just has to work. And I do agree that, you know, there have been some minor things, but the things that people care about is the punt return and the kick return. And that hasn't always looked quote unquote great, but special teams is more than that. And the coverage and like those kind of things, the kickers, where the ball's going, that kind of stuff, no penalties. Has been excellent. Um, and so, so, you know, the I mean, Jesse oh, Merck was it, a great punter, but also getting the guys in position and fast enough and the right guys who can field his punts and off the bounce and stuff like that without going for touchbacks and stuff is important, too. So it may not always be the things that people like, but and I mean, listen, I'm not going to defend him making that money, but I'm also not going to co- count his pockets. I don't think he's done anything worth being fired for. Yeah. And. To add to the uh, return game, like Rutgers probably noticed that Jaden Ballard was leaving a little bit early. What did Parker Fleming probably see in film when he was watching Rutgers' special teams? A willingness to kick onside kick. So he said, hey, Jaden, be ready. They're going to come at you with an onside kick. And what happened? Yeah, Jaden looked like he knew that kick was coming. Yeah, it was like it, and that's something that I noticed immediately when the onside kick happened. I was like, no, he knew that was coming right at him. Like, yeah, like like it. It's not like he reacted to it. It's like he ran to that spot and was like, "You're about to kick an onside kick. Let me catch this." Yeah, 
He was so prepared, he almost turned up and ran with it. I still think he should have. We saw Florida State or some team do that that shouldn't have. Get the touchdown. Get the cheap yeah. touchdown. It's fine. What was it? Uh, App State got back in the game because <laughs> North Carolina returned the onside kick for a touchdown. That's what it was. That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. It's crazy. You just make a play, and sometimes it's the wrong thing to do. That's got to be the worst thing. But, yeah, that's that's all I got today. Looks like it's time for some score predictions. Yeah. Uh, where you? How, how you feeling? Where 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 are you at with this? Uh, fit. nope, nope. They're worse than they are. Uh, so touchdown, touchdown, interception is fifty six, fifty nine. We haven't. I keep saying we need to do field goals, and then we don't kick field goals. So I'm not going to yeah, do field too goals. Too many touchdowns. Sixty three straight touchdowns. Sixty three. Uh, that's right, 56, 63-2-6. They don't score a touchdown. First game where we don't allow a touchdown, I think. All right, I'm with you on that. I was I was going to go 56-3. to three. Okay, that's fair. No, they're going to get touchdowns. one yeah, yeah, It's on the yeah. road. I don't know if they get out to the fastest start offensively. And not to put that out there, but, you know, a road game, you, you might not have your, your – you might not have like you know when you travel on anything you stay in a hotel room it's just not the same as your bedroom you know yeah. and i know the blackwell is not going to be the same as wherever they stay at michigan state so um you wake up bed's a little rougher you know the sheets aren't what your sheets are usually not when they're staying they're not rough because kent state no, was staying I mean, at four or five star hotels and uh we ain't got that kind of money no i know i'm not saying they're gonna be bad i'm just saying they're gonna be a little different and what they're used to. And, you know, some people like a firm mattress. Some people like a spring mattress. Some people like other mattresses. I, I mean, I don't know. Memory foam exists. I don't know what they've got at the black. Well, I can't, I can't stay there. I don't have Ohio State money. But yeah. uh, it's a little different. So maybe not. Uh, maybe they put up 77. I don't know. We'll see how Ryan Day's feeling. I just know if a team can't run the ball, that means they can't throw the ball. So. Against a good defense. And Ohio State's got a good defense. Oh, final thought for me, uh, because I actually just remembered this. I was going to put this in the show plan. I was on my website, teamrankings.com, just looking at the stats for Michigan State, and I was like, man, I wonder what Ohio State's are, just to compare them. Ohio State, top 10 in a lot of defensive stats. Ah, love it. That's exactly what we needed. uh, Hymnals. Hymnals. Hem knows. That's the way. That's what it is. Hem knows. My hem Williams. Got a lot of hems. Hey, you want a team full of hems? CJ Stroud. Him. Marvin Trady Harrison him. Jr. Him. Marv him Harrison. We can keep fun. going. <laughs> we we, we should, have, but we could. I him Williams. <laughs> Donna him Jackson. Oh, uh, what is it? Jackson Smith and Himba. Oh, that's it. That might be the best one. And that that one, my him Williams and, and Jack. Yeah, that one. Those two are my favorite. Those two. Uh, I'm keeping those in mind for Twitter names. Tommy Ike Himberg. Ooh, 
I'm sneaky literally changing. That was a sneaky. I'm changing my Twitter name to that right now. Uh, <laughs> I've been trying to stay professional for the for the podcast, but it, it's no, it's going. That's what it's going to be right now. I was trying to come up with one for Steel Chambers before we went out, but I was like, no, his name's Steel. He's good. Yeah, I mean, he, he's he's good. What what more could you want? Yeah, uh, yeah, Ronnie Himmin. No, Ronnie Hick him. I don't know. That's a no, tough one. Ronnie doesn't work. It doesn't work though. Rocket. Yeah. Rocket. Rocket. He's good. good. He's good. He's good. Uh, that's now, it. Rock I mean, him. I, I Rock him uh, as the nickname. Ronnie the, the Rock him. William. Uh, nickname on a nickname. That see, there we go. We found a way. We found a way. All right. All right. Uh, Josh Proct him. That's an easy one. Lathan Rance him. That's good. That one's just right there. That one's easy for the yeah, table. That was, that's, that's, that's like candy from a baby on Halloween. Um, what is it? Jack Soyum. That's eh, that one doesn't sound as good, but he's still him. JT Chuwama Himalayu. A little bit of a mouthful. Yeah, you could get it in there, but that one's not great. That's not that one's not great either. It's too hard. Uh, it's too. His name's already too. It's already kind of in there. So he's born to be him. Yeah, Mike Hall is not him. You just gotta like he's him, Mike, but that doesn't work. So yeah, you just gotta just, call him Big so, Mike Williams. So big, all the big people, Mike Hall. Big yeah, Mike big Hall's Mike enough. If you're Mike and you're not called Big Mike, you're doing something wrong. And that's my final thought, Big Mike. If you're not a, if you're a Mike and you're not a Big Mike, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, like, uh, you got anything Mike? else? Come on, no, no, that's it. Go Bucks. All right, at Chris Rennie, CFB at Jordan W three three zero. We're signing off. See you guys next. See you guys after the game.